Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. I'm so happy today to introduce you to my dear friend, Lorraine Maxudian. I think I have known Lorraine maybe all the years we've been married, 32 <laughs> years, and she gave a devotion at my daughter Bonnie Sue's baby shower. Do I you don't rem- remember that. Oh, I remember <laughs> it. And that, and she's 31, so I've known you a long time. And Lorraine, uh, sometimes I like to talk about everybody getting extra parents. We all need an extra mom or dad at different <laughs> times. And Lorraine has so many children. But Lorraine, why don't you tell us a little bit about your real family, and then we'll get into the questions about legacy. Okay, my real family, Sue. <laughs> well, I married a foreign man. You did? <laughs> yes, I did. Where he is was he from? A, he's from Syria, actually. <gasps> he's Armenian, oh. and he came to this country as a student in college. And, you know, it's really interesting because when you're in high school and people start dating and that sort of thing, I just had this feeling that, someday I would marry a man from a foreign country. Wow. What and, made you think that? Well, you know, because none of the none of the boys at church <laughs> were interested in me. <laughs> they were like bumps on the log. Oh, and okay. I and I was I really wanted a man that would be deep with the Lord yeah. and spiritually sound. And I don't know, since they just didn't spend any show any interest in me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I had this mm-hmm. sort of dream that yeah, someday I'd like to have an MG, a British sports car, yeah. and I will marry a foreign man. <laughs> and you I never what... got the MG. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to talk to that foreign man of yours and see what he can do. <laughs> hey, uh, but you never thought it would be from Syria. No, no. Not. And of course, I didn't know anything about Armenians because yes. uh, I was born, I was living in Minneapolis, born and raised in Minneapolis, and there are very, there were very few Armenians in that city at that point in time. So when we started getting serious, Mm -hmm. I went to the public library reference section (laughs) and looked up some information on Armenians and they, all the reports were very good. So I said, okay, I can go ahead with this relationship. So anyway, after we were married, um, we moved to San Luis Obispo where Leon had a teaching position at Cal Poly and we've been here ever since. We have three grown children all of whom live here in San Luis Obispo, and eight grandchildren, wow. all of whom were here until they started going away to college. Oh, so okay. I'm blessed to have all the family around me. And can you tell me how you met your husband since you told that story? I think everybody oh, would want to know. Okay, well, it was a time when Billy Graham was having a crusade in Minneapolis, and there was a consular training session. and. My mother and I went to that consular training session, and it was for people who were interested in working with international students. And so they had a panel, I think, of four or five Christian international students from the University of Minnesota, and Leon was one member on that panel. Well, our family did quite often have international students over, Mm -hmm. and so we invited him over for uh, for dinner and to go to church with us but he never he never paid any attention to me until the night before I left the country so I always tease him I had to leave the country for him to notice me <laughs> so I was going to the Middle East you're kidding and um, so he called the night before I left and said if I would write to him 
he would answer me. So oh. it started like that. Wow. Then when I got back, of course, he wanted to have a report. Yes. And so that was the beginning of the end. <laughs> and how long were you gone? <clears throat> or the end trip? of the beginning. <laughs> Only six, six months. Mm -hmm. But, Sue, I realized now I was going to do postgraduate work mm -hmm. in archaeology and Bible history. Mm -hmm. But the Lord used that as a marriage prep for me to get me ready to fit into this whole family from the Middle East. Mm. Because eventually, we brought them all here as immigrants. So now there's about, if all the family gets together, there's probably over 80 people. Oh my goodness. So being in the Middle East, I was familiar with their food and their culture and their mores. And it was just a very creative marriage prep course wow. that God had for me. Isn't that wonderful? It is great. Yeah, it's like, it's as if God knew what was going to happen. Of course he does. <laughs> <laughs> okay, when we're talking about living a legacy life, I mean, I could tell you what kind of legacy you're leaving already, but I would like my audience to hear what legacy that you want to make sure is passed down to those who love you. Well, I, I, when you get to be a certain age, Sue, mm -hmm. you begin to see yourself as more of a bridge than um, than somebody up that's communicating things that's coming off the top of your head. But I, I come from a family line of faith, a long family line of faith. So I see myself as a bridge where I can tell the stories of the families, of, of the, our ancestors. I can tell them to my children and to my grandchildren and let them be aware of the heritage of faith and that these were real people that mm -hmm. they're coming from. And oh, I guess I like to outlive myself in the sense of leaving things, leaving impressions on the younger generation that they will carry through. Um, in that sense, I like to work with children. Okay. And I teach Sunday school. I teach them the... What grade? First grade. Okay. And I teach the um, attributes of the Lord. And, and do they really understand those? Yes, of course they do. <laughs> Sometimes better than adults. I bet. <laughs> so that and also the importance of filtering this temporal life through the grid of an eternal perspective. You teach that to first graders. Well, no, I teach that to, <laughs> I teach that to anybody that I come across. <laughs> okay, and how do you do that? Well, you just don't get... You see deeper than the surface, Susan. Mm -hmm. And, you know, David Ekman once spoke at Grace Church, and he said, some people um, already have buried themselves in a coffin. He said, the bottom of the coffin is the date at which you were born. The sides of the coffin are the problems of this life. And the top of the coffin is the date of their death. And they, without an eternal perspective, there in that coffin. Mm. I like to look beyond. And looking back at Bible, at the Bible history and the stories of the Bible, reality is much deeper than it appears. There's an eternal dimension to the present all the time. And yes, God doesn't say we have to like everything that happens to us, but we know that God is working everything into some greater dimension, eternal purpose. And it gives you such freedom to just trust the Lord with the things that you don't like, because mm -hmm. you know there's a purpose. Mm -hmm. God is not capricious. Mm -hmm. And 
and I have said often that no experience of a believer is ever wasted. So to, to communicate the, the value of living this temporal life with an eternal perspective, and also to communicate the value of the Word of God and the joy of, that the Word of God is when you have it in your heart and you can apply it to the daily life. So I want to communicate to my children and my grandchildren and my Sunday school children the value and the joy of knowing the Word of God. Well, I know, Lorraine, that you've taught many times uh, in small groups or large on how your system, there really is a system. Mm-hmm. Of, it's one thing to memorize a scripture verse and put it in your heart and mind. It's another thing to remember it six months later. Yes. So can you just quickly review that for my okay. Uh, listeners? Okay. Well, I always had the excuse, Susan, I could not <laughs> memorize verses because I don't remember numbers. Oh. See? I've, if they were color-coded, maybe then I could. I said, Lord, you should just have color-coded them, and then I could remember them. But I remember getting so frustrated because I couldn't put my hand on a verse. I knew sort of the verse, but I didn't know the reference. So I just simply stopped, and I said, Lord, this is stupid. Help me to remember numbers. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy, the hooks that he, re- he helps me to remember, memory tricks. But the way I do it, Susan, I started with the verses that I sort of already knew, mm-hmm. but I didn't know the addresses. Okay. And, and by addresses, you mean? The references, okay. yeah. And I would start with those, and it was easy. But then when I, when I wanted to add a new verse, I didn't leave the other verses in hibernation. I developed a system where I would review them every day because systematic review is what's necessary. Well, then it got to be too many verses to review in one day. So I subdivided them. So now I have, I divided them by days of the week, but I give myself Saturday and Sunday off. (laughs) (laughs) So they're divided by days of the week. And now, and then when it got too many for one day of the week, Mm -hmm. for one week, then I had to subdivide it into two weeks. And eventually now I'm, I have six weeks. In, in the course of six weeks, I review all my memory verses. And when you uh, memorize, do you memorize one verse at a time or a passage? Both. Okay. Mm-hmm. It just depends mm-hmm. on where you're being mm-hmm. led. Mm-hmm. And out of all those six weeks, which is your favorite? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> all of them. It's a surprise <laughs> question. Okay, well, you can tell me later and I'll put yeah. it in the show notes. Um, I remember a long time ago, you had a terrible car accident. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. And um, this kind of has to do with your legacy of uh, looking at the deeper meaning and things mm-hmm. and looking at eternal perspective. Because you talked about living in the land of belief or the land of unbelief or something like that. Do you recall that story you told me where you you thought you were uh, you were discouraged because you had cancer show up and then you were going to be worried about writing a letter to a friend? Do you remember that story? Yes, I do. I do. Yes, this... I. From the accident, I, I had to have multiple surgeries, and I had to walk on crutches for almost two years, Sue. Oh, yeah, two years. And it was just about at the end of that healing period when I was misdiagnosed with um, breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And I was, the doctor wanted to schedule sur- surgery for a bilateral radical mastectomy. Oh, my gosh. And we stopped we said wait a minute we want to get a second opinion well okay between that time of that misdiagnosis and the time of getting a second opinion yeah that was really rough 
because in my dreams I was going to various doctors' offices, getting, you know, trying to get second opinions. I, I was silly, but I was so looking forward to getting off of crutches so I could do my own vacuum cleaning. Yes, and that's and when I you thought, appreciate it. But who who's going to do my vacuum cleaning? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and what a burden I'm going to be to the family. Now mm. I just get off of this two years of accident, and now this. Mm. Until I was writing a letter to a friend one time during, during that period in between, telling her about the situation, and suddenly I remembered, wait a minute, reality is not as I am perceiving it. And even if it would be, I'm forgetting the fact that the Lord will be with me in it, through it, all of it, and it will not be as bad as what the evil one is making me what, think. What do you mean by reality is not as what we're perceiving it in okay. that case? Yes, my projected reality oh, okay. would not be it as worries. I perceive it. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Worries about the future. Yeah. So you said something about living in the land of trust or of distrust or something like that. I quoted you at some talk because I thought it was so profound. I'll have to go back and look at my notes. You'll have to go back and yeah. tell me, yeah. so. Yeah. And then another thing you told me recently, I think it was such a great um, illustration when I was talking about comparing myself to other people and coming up short. Do you remember you talked about going to JCPenney's and buying a dress? Oh, yes. Can you tell us oh, that illustration? Oh, yes, yes. I, I base this on the verse of Ephesians 4, 7, that to each of us grace is given as Christ apportioned it. To look at yourself as a designer original. And I'm saying if you go to JCPenney's and you, and you have multiple copies of the same dress on a rack, you're going to get it at a really inexpensive price. Mm -hmm. But you go to a store where they sell one-of-a-kind things, you're going to pay plenty for it because a designer original is worth more. And God specializes in designer originals. He doesn't do mass production. Mm -hmm. So not to com in comparing ourselves with one another, we're saying we want to be like that person. You're saying you don't want to be a designer original. Mm -hmm. Well, what are you saying? That I don't recognize my worth as an individual, that mm -hmm. God has created me the way he wanted me to be, and he has given me grace as he has apportioned it. So appreciate that and, and appreciate and celebrate the differences, yeah. you know, because mm -hmm. the differences are what makes a jewel sparkle. And if we were all the same, it would be very boring. Mm. So we should celebrate our differences, really. And I want to tell everybody that she just said that verse by memory. She wasn't reading it, so she does what she, <laughs> she really does what she says. We're going to have to close this up, but I might have you on again, Lorraine, because you always have so much to share. But is there any last wisdom you'd like to share with our Welcome Heart audience on making our lives count? Just be open to the Holy Spirit's promptings. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he'll prompt you. Sometimes you have a day planned, yeah. and it turns out totally different because the Holy Spirit is moving you in a different direction. He's the one that connects the dots. And it may not go according to your plans. I, I used to be a person who would make to-do lists. I learned the discipline of making my list and in the morning submitting it to the Lord for his rearrangement if necessary. And then if things didn't get done, okay, the, the monkey's on the Lord's back. And I've been res responsive to his promptings. And in the eternal perspective, He's the one that does the orchestration that really matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is so wonderful. Well, thank you, Lorraine. I love you so much. I appreciate it. I <laughs> love hope you to too, you. Sue. Hope to have you back on again. Okay. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live. 
all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.